Well, happy Father's Day. Where are all the dads here? Put your hands up if you're a dad. Okay, yes, look at all those hands. Look at all those. Wait, I see those up there. Now all the dads would come forward and then we'll just pray over you. Not yet, no, no. Uh, listen, you know, I'm excited to be here because I got all kinds of emails and texts this morning from my kids and uh, how blessed did I feel. It was a blessing to be with them all, all of our children, all of our grandchildren last week. You know, we've been away for uh, two Sundays. Kathy and I, as you probably are aware, celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. 40 years, can you believe that? God has given Kathy the patience of Job. And it has been such a blessing. And we couldn't envision celebrating together without all our children around us. And so, uh, you know, if you're a father and a mother um, and have had children, it's a special, special moment to celebrate. And don't forget, even if you haven't had children of your own, uh, I'm pretty sure you've been a father or a mother to someone else. And so uh, to all the dads, today we celebrate you. And I'm going to have John come back after I finish preaching and pray a blessing over all our men and all our fathers. Uh, Let's open in prayer. Let's just, before we get into his word, let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word. It is a light unto our path. It it allows us uh, to know the right way to go. In the storms of life, we know what we need to do because your word tells us clearly how we should walk. And so today, Holy Spirit, teach us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your example and for your presence. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you saw, we have read from Mark chapter 6, 45 to 52, all about Jesus walking on the water. Now, I'm going to state something that's just like, duh, that's just an obvious fact, Pastor. And that fact is, life is hard. I don't think anybody in here would disagree with me. There are many, many times, far too often actually, times in our life when we go, this is hard. My life is hard. Going through stuff. And uh, it could be relationships. It could be work issues. It could be sickness. It could be finances. And it's hard. Um, For many people who come to faith in Christ, they have this wrong impression that Once I become a Christian, life is going to be rosy. It's all the problems are going to vanish away like smoke into the air. But that's unfortunately not to you. You come to faith, you repent of your sins, you trust Christ alone, and the sailing isn't as smooth as you considered it was going to be. And so I say again, life is hard. At moments, it is very challenging. And the significant difference between those who are in in Christ, trusting Jesus as Savior wholeheartedly, Him alone, and those who are not, is that when we come to those points in life that are hard, that we don't walk them alone. We're not on our own. And it's good for us to be refreshed and reminded regularly that God always has His eye on you. Never forget that. God always is present and available. Don't forget that. And God always provides personal and passionate caring. Jesus loves you. The Father loves you. And the Holy Spirit loves you. So how comforting it is as we get today to continue in this series on Mark to take a look at 
three truths that we discover as they're illustrated in our text today. And first, we see that when the hard times of life strike, uh, uh, strike you, God always is watching over you. Now, do you believe that, Christian? God is always watching over you. You're never out of God's sight. In Mark 6, 45, it says, Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. See, a lot of Christians walk with the Lord with a preconceived notions about Jesus and, and they're wrong. What, preconceived notions about what it means to follow Jesus. As I've said, we think that if we follow Jesus, everything's hunky-dory. We almost have the same mindset as Baloo in the, uh, in the uh, Disney uh, Jungle Bear. Yeah, yeah. Jungle Book, thank you. Here's, yeah, the Jungle Bear, he thinks it's all about him. I know the, the character. And he sings this, look for the bear, you want to sing it along? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick, you know it. Look for the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about your worries and your strife. I mean the bare necessities. That's why a bear can rest at ease with just the bare necessities. Oh, how I wanted to sing that this morning to you, but just said, no, I will mess it up. But that's what a lot of people think when they come to Christ, that preconceived notion that uh, everything will be easy and everything will be just hunky-dory. But too often in our life, too many times, uh, we have to go through challenges, strife, difficult times. And for those who have found their purpose in Christ, we understand those times can be used to make us more like Jesus. And in this passage, it's a time where we see these men out in that boat, told to go across the lake by Jesus, found a difficult, difficult time. Sometimes, as we noted, just noted, sometimes God will direct us to do stuff, and it will be tough. You know, I think of even over the last 2,000 years of missionaries going out to share the gospel, directed by God. No doubt their heart is, is, is convinced it's the Holy Spirit guiding, and they go, and they're under tremendous challenges, even death. But God had said, go. I think what's crucial for us to know or to be reminded of today is that when he sends us out or when he puts us in the path of storms, whatever they may be, is that he's still watching us. He's still got his eyes upon us. Listen to the words uh, found in John thir uh, 33. This is Jesus speaking. In the world you will have tribulation. That's a strong, emphatic statement in the original. There's no doubt. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Uh, Paul talks to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.12 where he says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Again, emphatic uh, forms in the original language. Will be persecuted. Can't miss the point. Can't miss the point that even today's 
wonderful passage that we love. Maybe if you went to Sunday school or you read this passage and you talk about Jesus walking on the water, the point is that Christians will go through difficult times. Sometimes they're so difficult you do not think you're going to bear them. You do not think you're going to get through it. When you follow Jesus, there will be those who mistreat you, who, who, who say and do things because you've made a commitment to Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's terrible what some people will say, what some people will do. But even when those things happen, God's eyes are upon you. And so we see here, Jesus has sent the disciples off in the boat, and uh, he says, just, just go across to Bethsaida. I'll meet you there. And he, in verse 46, he, it says, after he'd taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. Okay, so not only that, he's left us. Disciples are rowing away, and they're going through this struggle. And he says, he's left us, and he's gone up to pray. He's having a great time, quiet, and, you know, no winds, no storm there. But he's praying. Uh, throughout Jesus' ministry with the disciples, he taught them many wonderful truths, many wonderful principles, and he did it by example. And I think here, I, I think we could easily miss this, that Jesus was teaching again. He's teaching them that he is not driven by opportunity, but by God's purpose for his life. Just think about this. John 6. We, we don't read this in this passage, but the same place in John chapter 6 where we'll talk about Jesus walking on the water, we see that it says that John 6, 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. So what has just happened before Jesus has sent the disciples rowing like frantic? Uh, they had had this amazing experience watching Jesus take five loaves, two fish, and feed what experts believe were between ten and 20,000 people. Yes, 5,000 men, but there were women there with them and children. So it could have been anywhere from ten to 20,000. And Jesus did it as if it was nothing, because for him it isn't anything. He's God. He's a creator of everything. And he fed all those people. And guess what they wanted to do? They wanted to make him king right there, right then. I don't know if this was a, uh, a movement of the heart that the devil in, uh, worked in their hearts. Because remember the devil wanted to make Jesus king? He said, I'll give you the, uh, all the kingdoms of the world if you just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said, no. He said, no. And here Jesus is saying, no, again. And so he left. He dismissed the people, let them all go wherever they had to go. And he went up and prayed and he sent his disciples off because he wanted only the will of God, the purpose of God. And that didn't at this time include kingship. At this time, his ministry was called uh, to go to the cross, to die uh, to take the place of the sinner and free us from the bondage of our sin. Jesus knew he had another mission, another agenda, something bigger than a simple earthly throne. So he sent them off. 
he went away to pray, the disciples are rowing, and he powerfully demonstrates the need to understand the purpose of God in our lives. So let me ask you this morning, Christian, do you understand that your life is more than being born, more than working every day, more than building up equity and things, but you have a real purpose that God wants you to know. Have you figured that out? What is God's purpose for your life? Could you, if somebody, if you got on an elevator and did the elevator talk and say, you know, what's God's purpose for your life? Between floor 1 and 20, could you tell them very succinctly, this is what God has for my life. And I want to do everything I can to fulfill his purpose in my life. Could you write it out in a statement on a piece of paper in just one or two lines? So clear that you understand it. And that purpose in your life drives everything you do. Everything you do, it drives everything around your work, your home life, your, the life of leisure, the things you buy and don't buy. God's purpose is so important. When you know God's will for your life, then you know what to say no to in your life. Saying yes is pretty easy. No is harder. And when you know God's purpose, you can say, no, that's not in alignment with God's purpose. And so, when the evening came in verse 47 and 48... The boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land, and he saw that they were making headway painfully. They weren't getting far, in other words, for the wind was against them. And if you've ever done any rowing out on a lake, when the wind picks up, oh man, it multiplies the effort that takes to get anywhere. So with that in mind, never forget this, Jesus knows about your storm, whatever it is. And today, I suspect there are some people in this room that are either going through a storm or just been through it. He knows about your storm. And it's in the times of serious trouble, most often, that we may wrongly believe that God has forgotten us. Have you ever had that feeling? God, where are you? I have. What are you up to? I know my purpose, Lord, but I just feel very alone right now. Do you really even see my situation, Father? What's this for? But if you're going through some kind of trouble today, a storm, and you're rowing frantically trying to get through it, uh, you can be assured, absolutely assured, that Jesus sees you in the trouble, in the storm, in your struggle. And remember again, he's always watching over you. even in this terrible storm on the sea. Again, they went through this storm not too uh, much earlier where Jesus was sleeping in the boat. He was right there with them. And they're, they're believing they're going to lose their lives. Remember that? A, couple, a few weeks back? And he's sleeping. Lord, don't you see what's happening? Don't you care about us? Now he's not even with them. Not physically with them. Now they're on their own. But I know this about Jesus. He is God. 
And if anything you have to get to know, for any of you who are searching to know about Jesus, know this one thing. Jesus is God become man. Jesus knows. He is omniscient, all-knowing. And here he is on this mountain praying, and guess what it tells us? He sees their struggle. They're not alone. The scripture is clear about the Father, God's view of us. In Proverbs 15, 3, I'm so thankful when it says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on evil and the good. He sees everything. We're not alone. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. Is, is that not comforting? The eyes of the Lord are searching the whole planet. He sees everything and he gives support. He strengthened. He comes around those whose heart is blameless towards him. Even Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give account. God knows us from the inside out. Hebrews 4.13 tells us that. But this one in Psalm, this Psalm of David, Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10. Oh, I love this. So just the way it reads and it touches my heart. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hands shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. And if you're going through a storm this morning, you, you take that passage, you, you grab onto it, and you know that God always has his eyes on you. God always. He never abandons his children, no matter what storm. But not only is God's eyes on us, he's watching over us, Secondly, when the hard times of life strike you, you are never out of God's reach. He sees you, and you are never too far from his reach. Jesus knew that his disciples were struggling. Jesus saw them. He was watching. And when you're going through a dark valley of life, a time of challenge and trouble, it does feel too often that God's not watching, God's not seeing, and, but no, he is. He's not, a, God is not, Jesus, the son, is not in heaven kicking it back now that he's done his job. You know, enjoying all the worship of the saints there and the, the angelic hosts singing holy, holy, holy. That, that's got to be awesome, but that's not what he's doing. He's at the right hand of the father interceding on behalf of all of us, his children, and in that, he's watching us and he's keeping us within his reach. Because for us, for me, dear friends and family, I often, I'm so focused on the storm. My eyes get shrouded. The, the, the blinders come around and all I can see is the storm and all I want to do is work harder, is try this, try that. So that this, I'll get through this storm. And, and forget about saying, Jesus, I need your help. I need wisdom. I need strength. 
So today, no matter where you're at and what you've de- you're dealing with or dealt with, to be encouraged today in the, in the remembrances that you're never out of God's sight and you're never out of God's reach. Just imagine, though, Jesus sees them and he walks out on the water. This this is cool. This is no technological feat. This is a a movement uh, of God himself to say, I will show you who I really am. And he goes, don't forget, wind, waves, and he calmly and casually walks out. It says in verse 48, the last part, and about the fourth watch of the night, it's about three o'clock to six in the morning, so it's dark and it's dreary. He came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass by them. And so I read that, and I saw that, that statement that says he meant to pass by them. What does that really mean? Uh, well, if we see the original language and we look at the, uh, the rest of Scripture, we know this is a powerful phrase. It's charged with significance. It, it signals a rare but powerful revelation of God. For example, remember at Mount Sinai where Moses was receiving God's commandments? It says that God passed by him. Okay, that's one. We see in uh, Mount Horeb, another great holy mountain in Israel, Elijah was there and it says that God passed by him. When God would pass by someone, it meant that God was showing up to reveal himself to him or her. We say something very similar as John, I'm going to come by the house. And when I say that, John's, John's prepared. He gets the coffee machine out because he knows, oh, he's going to need coffee. And he doesn't think that I'm going to drive to the house and just keep going. He knows what that phrase means. He means, I'm coming over to fellowship. We're going to chat. We're going to pray. And so, drink some coffee. So when he said, pass by them, he's using language to mean that Jesus would pass by them to reveal himself as God to them. It was an intent to say, here I am. I am God. When they saw him in verse 49, walking on the sea, they thought he was a ghost. That word ghost is phantasma. Uh, That's where we get phantom. And, you know, in their fear, they're out there screaming at each other, row, row, keep going, or we're going to capsize. Keep going. And they see this, whatever it is, and so it's like a, a, a ghost, a phantom. And when they saw, they cried out, For all they saw him, they were terrified at what they saw. That word terrified is terasso in Greek. means to throw into a panic, to strike with dread. You see, in that day and age, and often even in maritime today, if you say you saw a ghost on the water, uh, that was a a real thing for a lot of people that don't know God. It it was an apparition that um, would bring dread, they thought, oh, death is here to take us. That was their, their myth, uh, mythological feelings that, that they had. And I almost thought, you know, when we've been in our storms, have we thought the devil was the one who put us there? Have you ever thought that? Why did the devil do this to me? 
you know, the struggles. And in essence, it could be God put you there. We don't know, but we do know that God allows his children to go through challenging times where, yes, the rowing is a little harder, much harder, but he's done it for a purpose, to grow us, to help us to learn to trust him more, to help us to know he is God, and he's got his eyes on us, he's in, we we're within his reach, and that he won't let us down. So God is always watching over you. He's, we're never out of his reach. And thirdly, finally, when the hard times come, the hard times of life strike you, you are never out of the compassionate, caring hand of God. Look at verse 50, 51. But he immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. When you're surrounded by chaos and confusion uh, and drowning in your own fear and misunderstandings, God will speak to you. We've got to listen, though. We've got to take the hands off the ears going, oh, what's going on? And say, Lord, tell me, speak to me. And he'll say these three things to us, I believe, in in our terms of today. One is, take courage. In other words, it means to be brave, to be of good cheer. So whatever your storm is, be brave. Be of good cheer, knowing that God is in charge. He's there. You're not out of his reach, you're out of his sight. Take courage. In other words, it's used here by Jesus to call these men as his followers to depend upon him as the source of their confidence, even in the midst of seemingly impossible circumstances. Kathy and I had a chance to visit one of our dear elderly people this week or in the hospital, and you could see the confidence of Christ in her face and, and on her wor- in her words. didn't matter that she'd gone through some really rough waters and maybe not even out of them yet. But wow, she was trusting. She was taking courage. And God is saying to her, and he's saying to us in our challenges, it is I. Again, in the original language, Jesus is saying, I am. And you know in the Old Testament, they said, what is your name, God? And he said, I am. What a beautiful simplicity of the wonderful, magnanimous God that we have. He simply says, I am. Uh, John 8, 58 Jesus saying, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It's a covenant name of God. It's a promise. When we look to Jesus and he's the I am, Father's I am, it's a promise that says, I will take care of you. It is a promise that says, he will take care of every need that we as his people have. Now, too often we think we know what he should do. Right? God, you should do this for me because I am a faithful follower of Jesus. And God says, no, but I will take care of the needs that I know you really have. Jesus said to them, I'm here for you. 
and I'll do something that'll help you understand clearly what it means that I am. I'm on the water. This is not natural. There's only something that God can do. And here I am. The third thing he said, and I love this, simple as that, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. <clears throat> you, do, you think at this point, after all the disciples have seen and experienced with Jesus, this wouldn't be a problem, but he had to say, don't be afraid, because they needed a little bit more training, a little bit more confidence. They hadn't learned that when it comes to God, you're never out of his sight, and you're never out of his reach, and you're never out of care, and you don't need to be afraid. Do not be afraid. He got in the boat, and the wind stopped. What a, you know, have you ever been in a, a noisy environment? Uh, we usually call it grandchildren. And all of a sudden, it's time for them to go home, and you love them while you have them for a while, and then they leave, and you shut the door behind you, and you lean up against the door, and you breathe a bit, and it's silent. You know what I'm talking about. You love them, but all of a sudden, oh. I can only imagine what it must have been for the disciples at that moment when they went from chaos to beautiful, quiet, steady silence. Because Jesus got on the boat and everything ceased. Well, I know that when the troubled times come, you can be in the middle of the hurricane or the storm. And if you stay in the middle with Jesus, even in the midst of that, there's peace. There is a quietness of heart that can come knowing that he's with you. You're not alone. In the other passage in John about this uh, section, they were glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at land, at the land to which they were going. Uh, you know, is it possible that God allows certain storms to come in your life in order to teach you what you need to know? And the answer this morning is, church, okay, we need to work on this. The answer is yes. If you really, really believe that coming out of this passage in the Word, say it with me. The answer to the question of is, does God give you storms in life, allow you to go through them, uh, and if that's the case, uh, will you trust him? Yes. There we go. You know, uh, with whom are I do that? But the reality is there's going to be a point in your life, maybe it's today, that that yes, that, that strong yes, you're going to have to shout it out to the Lord. Whatever you're doing, whatever it's going through, you're going to have to stand in that room quietly and say, Lord, yes, I will trust you. I don't like this. It's not fun. I wish I didn't have to go through it. Why? Why am I going through this, Lord? One day, you'll tell me. But I'm going to trust you. And so, Lord, yes, I'm trusting you. And so, it tells us, they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. A little bit of a twist on the end. What, what's that all about? Uh, they were utterly astounded. I looked through several different versions to see what others would have translated these words. It, was, it says, completely overwhelmed, completely astounded, so baffled. This is what I like. They were beside themselves. 
They were completely amazed. In essence, this whole situation blew their minds. That's our modern vernacular. Blew their minds. The disciples were growing and they were learning. But Mark tells us in 52, they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. They'd come a long way. There's no doubt about it. They'd grown. Uh, they'd seen uh, the incredible, incredible miracles of creating food, of uh, healing, uh, of, of raising people from the dead. The little girl, the 12-year-old girl, it's amazing, totally amazing. They'd come to realize that a lack of resources never hindered Jesus. Difficult circumstances never affected him in the least. And that he sees our trials perfectly. And he, the Son of God, whom we put our faith and trust in, he cares for us. He loves us. But for them... They were still learning. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. All this they believed. But you know what? It's good to know they were still growing. And I feel good about this. To see that the disciples who were right there with Jesus, who saw all these amazing things, still had room to grow. And we know that all these disciples grew into amazing apostles serving Jesus and building his church. Yet, not everything had totally penetrated their hearts. And as you follow Jesus, you will discover that your heart is still hard in some areas toward him. But know this, he still cares for you. You know, we're still growing and, and you're struggling with some things. It's okay. He loves you. And he's going to help you through that. And when you study God in the scriptures you will discover he is all-knowing, all-present, and all-powerful. Uh, uh, these are the omnis. When you go to Bible school, uh, they, one of the first things they teach you is about God's omnis, his omnipresence and his omnipotence and his, um, well, let's just say he's all-knowing, all-present, and all-omnipotence, uh, all-powerful. God is all. He's just all. So I want to leave you with this. You're never out of God's sight. And that means God has never forgotten about you. He sees you. He's never abandoned you. God will never do that. And you never are out of God's care. God has not stopped loving you. Even when there are times when you feel like that. It's okay. Feelings aren't fact. And we need to live on fact. These are the facts. He loves us, he's watching over us, and he cares for us. Christian, remember the story of Jesus walking on the water with this in mind. No, we didn't even talk about Peter, where in another case we see him coming out of the boat. Well, today let's leave that story for another time. Just remember, yes, storms of life come, but God never lets you go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the truths of your word, the powerful, impactful truths. And we pray that today we will just be mindful that you're all caring, all knowing, and uh, you're, we're never out of your reach. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.